If you're looking for ways to prioritize your health and fitness, run more efficiently, understand food, and somehow fit it all into a fun and family-centered life, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 30 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we are going to be talking about a topic that I'm sure a lot of people have had to deal with throughout the years. And this topic was suggested by a listener. So we wanted to thank Kyle for your email and um, let you know that we appreciate when you guys email us and give us topics to talk about because we love to answer all the questions that you have and serve you the best way possible. So today we are going to be talking about rebuilding after injury. It's a topic that uh, that hits so many runners. There's a, a saying in the running community that there's two types of runners, those who have been injured and those who have not been injured yet. Um, and, and there's a reason is a lot of people go at exercise in, in not exactly the best ways, and it tends to set people up for injuries. Or when they're injured, they try and come back in not the best ways. So we're trying to come up with some ideas to talk about on that today. Right. And I'm, I mean, really, this is one of the founding concepts and one of the reasons we started this podcast and started this company to let runners know that you don't have to be injured all the time. There is a better way. There's a smarter way to run. And that really incorporates a lot of strength training and targeting those muscles that support you as a runner so that you can avoid those chronic cycles of injury that a lot of runners tend to find themselves in. So Number one, if you do find yourself injured and that injury is serious enough, you're going to need to take some time off. Nobody likes hearing that, though. No, no. Runners don't like time off. Um, that's why I think we kind of need a, a clear explanation on if it's serious enough. Because, well, that that knee pain only really bothers me after I've made it to mile two. So is that that bad of an injury? Right. And... It's true because the time off does depend on the seriousness of the injury. So how do you really know? And like we always do, we're going to tell you that it's best for you to go see a medical professional like an orthopedic doctor or a physical therapist and listen to what they have to say and listen to how serious your specific injury is and how much time off they would recommend. Now, what I have found in my career dealing with orthopedics and other physical therapists A lot of times people are more conservative, so they're going to tell you a little bit longer than you probably need to to take off. And definitely longer than you want to hear. Well, exactly. But really, one of the best things that you can do to try to avoid this cycle of injury is to catch problems really early on in the process. And of course, that's not always easy, you know, especially if it's like a, a an acute onset of an injury, like something happens, you twist an ankle or something happens and it's a one-time thing, it's, it's kind of hard to prevent those kinds of injuries sometimes. But with those chronic, repetitive stress kinds of injuries, if you can catch it really early on when that 
knee pain starts to just feel like a little twinge here and there, and you you start attacking that to to try to make sure that that doesn't blow up into a an injury that you're going to need to take some serious time off for, a lot of times that can be very helpful. So if you can catch that injury right in the beginning, you might only need to take off like a day or two. Yeah, this this happens for a lot of the itis kind of injuries. You know, I've got a, a nagging injury around a knee or an ankle or it's something. Well, before you go to the doctor and they give you the full-blown tendonitis or bursitis diagnosis, throw some ice on it and take a day off. Right. That might prevent you from having to take three weeks off in a month because you just kind of kept running through that injury. Like, yes, that little bit of pain is not the end of the world that you need to take a month off, but it might require that you don't go hard the next day or even you take a day off. It's mm-hmm. way better to take a day off now than to take off three weeks when you've pushed through it for an extra month. Yeah, that's true. And even if you miss a workout, like Kevin was saying, maybe you can turn one of your workout days into a recovery day. So you don't even necessarily need to take that day off completely. You can just go out for an easy run instead of a workout. Or maybe it's better to just take that day off and you really have to be good about listening to your body and trying to figure out how to know when to run through something and when to take a day off. But like Kevin said, a lot of times after your run, if you're feeling like a little knee pain here or your ankle is hurting you a little bit, if you throw some ice on it, that can really go a long way in preventing a lot of chronic problems from getting worse. It seems almost too simplistic to just be like, well, throw some ice on it. Like I remember when, like way back when I was in high school, the the trainer who'd been there forever, that was her answer for everything. Oh, we'll, we'll put some ice on it. And the thing was, is that was the correct answer in almost every single scenario. <laughs> and our joke was like, well, uh, you know, you walk into the training room holding your left arm because it's no longer attached at the shoulder. And she'd be like, hold on, I'll get you a bag of ice for that. But for most issues, Issues that people were coming to her for. Like this was, you know, football players that had been banging into each other day after day after day. Well, their shoulder hurt. Put some ice on that. Right. Those were the cross country kids coming to her like, well, it hurts on the inside of my knee. Put some ice on that. Those are appropriate responses for the immediate pain right there. Put some ice on it. And right. then, then see where you're going from there. Right. Because most pain is a result of inflammation. And How do you deal with inflammation? You put some ice on it because what ice does is it vasoconstricts. So it closes down your blood vessels because whenever a body part is inflamed or injured, the blood vessels open to try to get all of the helper cells to that area. So your knee's hurting. So what inflammation essentially is, is it's a bunch of helper cells trying to come in and fix the problem. So your blood vessels get bigger to put more blood flow to that area, which leads to then the swelling and the fluid and all that stuff. So if you put ice on it to try to constrict those blood vessels, you're trying to minimize that inflammatory response that can then sometimes get out of control. Right, but you don't want to minimize it so much because part of that inflammation is that helper cells are coming in, right? Right. Yes and no. It depends on what's going on. Okay. Yeah. So this is also why ice is a good thing, but also sometimes a day off to let your body, in fact, heal itself. Because as, as you exercise and break down muscle your body heals and becomes stronger. That's part of the whole adaptation to stress 
Right. And another thing you can do too, if you have an injury coming on is try to get more sleep because your body repairs itself during sleep. So if you use some ice, you try to throw in a couple of extra hours of sleep that can really go a long way from preventing that injury to, you know, from flaring up into something more serious. Okay. But let's say that you actually are hurt. You, you did not listen to your body correctly or some acute injury came on and now you're hurt and it's fairly serious. Right. So many injuries you can actually try to work around so that you don't lose a whole lot of your cardiovascular fitness, you know, so you can cross train. You can do a lot of cardio work. You can get in the pool or on the bike or on the elliptical. Depending on what body part is injured, you can do a lot of cross training so that you can keep your cardio fitness up while you're allowing that body part to rehab. I remember doing laps and laps of pool running when I was hurt in college and had constant knee pain. Yeah. I'd throw a belt on around my waist and just run back and forth up and down the pool, mm -hmm. which was convenient because it was right next to my dorm. So <laughs> That's good. It was at least close. So... A lot of other things you can do too are strength training and pretty much anything you can do in order to get your heart rate up and be creative. You know, if you want to go for a, a walk and try to maybe walk up a hill or something like that, depending on again, what's hurting and what's injured, you got, you can do anything just as long as you're getting your heart rate up and elevated, that, that's going to help keep your cardio up. Right. Any sort of activity that's elevating the heart rate and doesn't make whatever's hurt hurt worse is good for you. Right. So people use arm bikes sometimes. Yep. Or, you know, there's rowing machines are very good. So once you are cleared to resume your activity... Okay, so that that's kind of all the injury process. You know, do your best to keep your cardio up through some cross training. Make sure that you're rehabbing that injury correctly. Seek out professional help if you need it. And once you are cleared to resume running, the key is to go slowly. Way slower than you want to. If you took some time off, you're going to not be able to just leap back in where you were a month ago. Right. And a lot of people think that it's basically your time off should equal the time that it takes you to get back to where you were. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like if I was off for a week that it takes me even longer to get back. Yeah. And and it it's so painful to get back. And all you want to do is get back quickly to where you were. Yeah. And the quicker you rush back, the more likely you are to get re-injured. Yeah, that's true. And so I, maybe I should modify that and say that the, the time to get back is at least the amount of time off that it took. Yes. Because it does feel longer. It, it, it always feels longer. Yeah. I don't know if it is. I, th I think the one-to-one -one is a pretty accurate call on that. Pretty but, good. But oh boy, does it feel a lot longer, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. So part of the key when you're getting back into it is to also understand the, what caused the injury in the first place. Was it an acute injury like you know, a, a, an ankle sprain or something like that that just kind of happened and kind of came out of nowhere? Or was your injury a result of that chronic repetitive stress and improper training methods? Because you need to understand that you might have to adjust your training method when you're getting back into it so that you can avoid what got you to there in the first place. Oh yeah, this is this is huge. If it's an acute injury, then doing what you were doing before is going to get you back eventually to where you were before. But which is injury? Well, no, I mean if it was like a random acute thing like oh, oh, oh. you know, you're running down the street, you trip over oh. a curb and and your knee goes wonky, 
there's nothing really you could have done about that. It, there was not stability exercises you could have done that would have prevented your knee from popping when you didn't see that curb in the dark. True. Okay. But on the other hand, if you've been training the same way for years and every like six to eight months, that knee injury pops back up again, well, doing the same training plan is just going to get you hurt again. Right. And I, I have this conversation with my patients all the time. You had this conversation with me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I literally just had this conversation with a patient today. You know, she came into physical therapy for neck pain a year ago and she said, oh, my therapist massaged it and it felt better. And I said, okay, well, did you do the exercises that we gave you for homework to prevent your pain from coming back? And she said, no. no. <laughs> and I said, well, that's why you're back in the office today. Yeah, the massage makes it feel better, but it doesn't fix the underlying problem. Exactly. Massage helps, but it's ultimately the exercises that you're doing to strengthen and fix the actual problem that are going to keep you from having to go back. This is why if the injury is bad enough that you need an actual like professional help on this, where you're dealing with someone like a, a physical therapist who's giving you rehab exercises, right. that's going to help strengthen the area and make it less likely that you're getting this like overuse injury. Right. And so when you are rehabbing and when you are getting back into your running after this injury, it's very, very important to incorporate these strength training exercises and really focus on the strength of those supporting muscles and correcting those muscle imbalances that might be present that probably led to this injury in the first place if it is one of those chronic injuries that we tend to get as runners. So three of the really most important things I personally think to to focus on are, are your hip strength, your core strength, and then your posture when you're running. I think at least two out of those three were my issues, and it, it ended up hurting my knee, but it, w it turned out that it was it was hip issues that was causing the problem. Right. And, you know, throwing ice on it and taking some time off would eventually make the knee pain go away, but as long as I kept doing the same thing, I kept getting hurt. This was, this was the cycle I was in in college, and it wasn't until I met this awesome physical therapist and married her that uh, <laughs> I figured out that the issue was, was weakness through my hip. And, and now I can go out and I can run and I'm training a little bit different, but, you know, focusing on those kind of muscles really helps strengthen the area and prevent this nagging chronic use issue. issue. Right, right. So as annoying and frustrating as it is to get back into training, you have to go slowly. I mean, you're, you're kind of dealing with this now, um, getting back into it after your last incident, yeah, well, after I after I hit my head in in January in the middle of a seizure, that uh, you know I I was off for what two two you, weeks. Well, you were off because of that. That there was the staples in your head, yes. and then you were, got the flu. And that yes, that's right. I so was you like, were pretty much off the month of January. I knew there was there was a secondary thing, and I couldn't couldn't remember what it was. That's right. I got staples out. I was good for like a couple of days, and then boom, flu, and I was out like the rest of January. Right. So um, it it was off for a long period of time, and it took me February to try and get back. And I'm I'm. Now, you know, I can track all my workouts and January was poor and February was clearly coming back. March was actually being able to hit a couple of workouts again and get in, get in some longer runs and try yeah. and, and get back into this. But I mean, I've been, 
I've done this where I, I get out of shape and I get back into shape and I get out of shape because of an injury and I try and come back. And usually now that I'm, I'm self coaching, I can try and come back using different techniques mm-hmm. and all the strengthening stuff that you've, you've added into my routine really changes, um, the, the benefits that I'm getting off of this. Yeah. Strength training is so important. So ways that you're going to rebuild that power and speed after injury. Number one is strength training. It's really unavoidable at this point. And research study after research study is showing how important it is for us as runners to be doing strength training exercises to specifically target the muscles in our legs and our core that are going to support us and help us to generate that power and then just support our joints during running. So strength training at least, I mean, in my opinion, I think you need to be doing it at least twice a week. Some people say once a week. Some people say three or four times a week. I think twice is kind of the minimum that you should really be doing strength exercises to, to really target those hips and those core muscles. So traditionally going back a while here runners are always somewhat worried about getting you know too big and bulky and so there's a push for um lower weights higher reps but now there's a new thing coming out which is like well no runners really should be lifting heavier weights with lower reps and because they're they're running they're not going to be able to build all this huge bulk someone who is in fact trying to bulk up definitely needs to be lifting more of the heavier weights with with fewer reps to try to build that greater power. Where where do you fall on this? Where do I fall? I think that as runners, there you're not going to get big and bulky even if you live lift heavier weights because you're running too much. Your your muscles they're just not going to adapt in that way. You're not going to get that muscle hypertrophy until you get those big, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger like muscles. You're just not going it's not going to happen. Especially females. You know, females are very worried about, you know, getting big and bulky and if you lift the heavier weights, you're not just automatically going to become a bodybuilder. It's not going to happen. It, it, there's so much so many other factors that go into getting big muscles like that, that just lifting heavier weights is not going to do it. Yeah. The the detailed science behind bodybuilding is so detailed beyond just lift really heavy weights right. that you can't accidentally become enormous. Right. And so as runners, there is a lot of research that is showing that these lifting heavier weights and these more Olympic style lifting are very beneficial for runners. However, on the flip side, if not done properly and if done with bad form, you could, there, you know, you're much more likely to injure yourself doing that kind of strength training. So, if you are going to go down that route and go into the heavier weights and, and that style of lifting, make sure that you get a coach or you know book a couple sessions with a with a trainer to make sure that you're doing the moves correctly so that you're not injuring yourself. Yeah, no one needs to leap, leap into squats and and cleans and things like that with way too much weight when their back is already not strong enough to support it. Right. And then you throw poor form on top of that, and that's just an, that's a massive setup for an injury. Right. So a lot of the real life runners out there can be very well served with body weight exercises that are difficult 
and will benefit you in a lot of ways. And if you want to throw some equipment in there, you can get some dumbbells, you can get some bands that are helpful. Paper plates are really good for mountain climbers and push-ups and that kind of thing to really try to increase the level of intensity of the exercises that you're performing. But you really don't need a lot of equipment to get a really good benefit from the strength training that you're doing. The key is to just work the muscles until they fatigue. That's how you're going to build strength in the muscles. And so with with body weights, it just takes a little bit longer to reach that fatigue as opposed to, you know, strap a whole bunch of giant weights on the side of it and you can do three reps. When you're at body weight, it's just going to take a few more reps, but you still can reach that level of fatigue right. and you're still getting the same uh, strength benefits. Right. But if you do choose to, to use weights, you should be trying to lift the heaviest weights possible So because it's going to lead your muscles to fail. And when your muscles fail, that's how they get stronger. So you should be trying to challenge yourself and push those muscles to work as hard as possible. So you should be trying to do a lot of those repetitions with the heaviest weights that you can as long as you're maintaining that good form. As soon as your form starts to break down, that weight is too heavy and you got to drop it back down. Yes, that's the key. As as heavy as possible with perfect form. Once your form's lost, then the, the exercise is worthless anyway. Exactly. So the number two way that you can rebuild power and strength after injury is through interval training. Well, interval training is a great way to get cardio back quickly. By changing the pace, It's uh, it, it constantly changes what your heart and lungs are trying to do. Right. The, the flip between going fast, going slow is essentially... Uh, It'd be the worst way to drive a car for, for gas efficiency <laughs> mm-hmm. is just constantly hitting the gas, hitting the brake, hitting the gas, hitting the brake. But if, if you look at like, like your body as a car, the, the hardest thing for your engine would be to drive that way. The hardest thing for your heart and lungs would be to run that way, go and pull back and go and pull back. And so if you're trying to strain your cardio, training that way gets you in shape pretty quickly. Right, because your body adapts to the demands that you're placing on it. So when you're doing those interval workouts, you're putting a lot of stress and strain on the body, and your body has to then rebuild itself to adapt to that strain, and you get stronger faster in the process. But you also have to make sure that you're recovering from that because yes. the body the body doesn't actually strengthen during the workout. Yes. The workout breaks your body down and then you need the recovery. And it's during the appropriate recovery where you're putting good nutrients into your body, where you're sleeping, where you're getting water and fluids and stuff. That's when the body builds new, stronger muscles. Yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out because that is so key. So you can't just go out and do intervals every single day. When you're getting back into whatever program it is, whether it's running or if you're a, a team sports athlete, if you go out and do the same thing every day, you're not giving your body the recovery it needs to actually build and get stronger. So I'm super glad you pointed that out. Yeah, it's it's the recovery that actually allows strength to form. Yep. All right. Point number three, plyometric drills done carefully and very slowly progressed. Yes. Form is absolutely key when it comes to plyometrics. So there's a lot of really good benefits of plyometric drills for all sports, but especially for running. Because if you think about it, running is really just bounding from one foot to the other foot for however many miles you're running. So it's essentially a series of plyometrics as you're running whatever distance it is. 
Yeah. I mean, that's why any sort of hop training that you're working on, any sort of one foot hops is great preparation for running and really is running specific because that's all running is, is hopping from one foot to the other over and over and over again, mile after mile. Right. So the key with plyometrics is number one form. You want to make sure that you are performing all of these exercises with the proper form. And if you're not sure... Talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. You know, have somebody watch you, whether it's a coach or a trainer or a physical therapist. Have somebody make sure that you're doing this correctly. If you don't have access to that kind of person where you live, you can videotape yourself doing it Mm -hmm. and you can send that video to someone who knows what they're talking about. There's a lot of different resources out there now that you can send a video in, people can critique it for you, and then you can get that back and try to really work on it. Even just watching it yourself, though, if you videotape yourself, a lot of times you're going to be able to see what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Oh, yeah. And if you try and and do various jump drills on your own, you're like, no, 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 I definitely landed correctly. And then you I mean, everybody can take out a phone pretty quickly. You know, you, you do some workout with a buddy and have them film it, look back at it in slow motion. You're like, oh, wait, my knee was that far over my toe? That's not where it's supposed to be at all. Right. And make sure, especially at the beginning, you're going very slowly. And you should really only be incorporating these plyometric drills once, maybe twice a week, especially in the beginning of your return to sport process. And I mean, within the world of plyometrics, start with something simple like skipping and bounding, hop like two foot hops. And then after you can correctly do two foot hops several times in a row with your knees and your feet landing correctly, then maybe you hop two foot up and down a single step, a low step. And then maybe from that you can do on on an even level, a single foot hop repeatedly and then take that to actual, you know, once you've been doing this for week after week, then you're up to actual box jumps. Don't, you know, pop into a gym and be like, hey, there's a 24 inch box I can leap up onto. Maybe I should do that for day one. That that's just that's overreaching. And overreaching is usually a sign that you're you're setting yourself up for injury. Yes, definitely. And running drills, you know, just some of the running drills that we give to our runners are really good ways to get back into these form drills and plyometrics very slowly as well. Don't you think? Well, I mean, basic form drills really are simple plyometrics, high knees and butt kicks. Like that's really hopping. It's just hopping with, uh, you know, over-exaggerated full range of motion, but it's still hopping and, and any sort of hopping drill is, is the basis of plyometric training. Right. And you can start out by going really slow. So one of the drills that we give to our runners are high knees and when performed Normally, it's a very quick high knees where you're trying to get your knee up really high and get it back down quickly. But you can start off with these high knees by just high marching in a very slow and controlled fashion while maintaining upright good posture and then bringing your knee up as high as you can and putting it down and then bringing the opposite knee up and putting it down and really exaggerating the quality of the movement while performing them slowly. And you can very quickly see where your muscle weakness comes in. If you try and do high march, high knee marching, 
and you lift your left foot up. And as soon as that left foot comes up, you start wobbling all over the place. You got issues. And then you lift your right foot up and you're strong and you're solid. Now you have muscle imbalance from side to side and you got to work on, on stability muscles. In all likelihood, I'm going to say weakness in your hips because that's usually my issue of I, I love doing high knees, but then I also, after most runs, I really like to try to throw in high knee marching to make sure that I'm not falling over more on one foot than the other. Um, I also just out of boredom sometimes will just stand on one leg as I'm watching a track meet and every lap of the two mile, I'll go between standing on my left foot and standing on my right foot. So it's, it's nice to kind of see the stability between each side. It's just a simple check to see where the body is at and make sure that you still have that symmetry. I love that. So if you're curious about some of the drills that we mentioned, we have a great resource that we have created for you guys, and that is our exercise library. So if you go over to our website, realliferunners.com, when the homepage pops up, there's going to be a box for you to enter in your name and your email address. As soon as you enter that information in, you will get access to our full exercise library for free. And in there, we have videos of a bunch of different strength training exercises for you, as well as these running drills that we've been talking about too. It's a lot of fun to do all the running drills. I, I know I enjoyed uh, being videotaped over and over again as as we tried to perfect the drills. Yeah, and I enjoyed <laughs> editing those videos and putting fun music to them. So you guys, <laughs> check them out because I was laughing while I was making them. So I'm, hopefully I bring a smile to your face while you watch them. A smile to your face and some strength to to very important muscles throughout the body. Yeah, definitely. So thank you guys so much for joining us today and thank you for spending this time with us and hopefully you've gained something. Kyle, hopefully we've answered your question fully and have given you a good place to help you rebuild after your injury. So head on over to the website, realliferunners.com, enter your name and email address in that box that pops up and you will have full and free access to our exercise library. And as you can see, we love answering questions from our listeners. So if you have a question, shoot us an email, support at realliferunners.com. We would be more than happy to answer your question or do even do a whole episode on it if we think that other people would benefit from it. So thank you guys so much for joining us, and we will catch you next week.